I want to tell you about discovering the architecture of fear and the process of dismantling it that occurred. And first I want to remind you that as I always say, take what's useful and leave the rest without judgment. And the reason I say this is for many reasons actually, but one of the key reasons is that sometimes what's useful now is not useful in the future, and that's okay. And if we have taken it in without judgment, it's easy to let go of it. And sometimes what's not useful now, if we have let it go on by without judgment, it's easy to bring it back in when it becomes useful because that can happen too. And then the third thing, which is the most important thing for today, is that sometimes we just have new information comes in and it corrects some of our previously held assumptions. And this is just part of the process. And so that is one tiny piece of what happened for me in my human as these uh, kind of experiences unfolded uh, in the past few days. So as I reference time and dates periodically, uh, please know I'm always referencing Pacific time. <sighs> this is a lot <laughs> to try to put into linear, a linear narrative, a linear story that is useful, that is semi-comprehensible, at least as a story. So I want to encourage you to just simply approach this transmission as a fun story and just kind of settle in, you know, get your favorite cup of tea, snuggle up, and just kind of come along with me for the ride. This is not a guided meditation or guided visualization, so you could be doing other things while you're listening if you want, uh, and that would be fine, but you may find that aspects of this story are very activating, so you might prefer to not be driving um, as you see fit. Okay, so I think it will be best for me to try and tell the story semi-chronologically. No promises about it actually being linear, <laughs> but I think that will be best. So I, for a long time, have had in my human a very close relationship with the planet Jupiter, the being that is the planet Jupiter, which I experience very much in a sort of a female identity uh, of this being. Um, and I know that there are human uh, stories that talk about Jupiter, I think, as a like maybe the god of war. I don't know. I, don't, I ignore all of that. My direct relationship with the being that is Jupiter is primarily of it as a her. And uh, about a week and a half ago, I was in this incredibly, like, extra, expansively joyous, happy, amazing communion with Jupiter. And we were just, like, laughing and dancing and singing and having so much fun. And suddenly I became aware of, oh, this being in form as Jupiter is one of the founder beings as well. And that was incredibly delightful for me. And little recap on uh, information I've shared in the past. There are 12 founder beings, and seven of them are in human form at this time. I am one of those. And there are five that are uh, kind of off-planet, so to speak. Haha. <laughs> and so this was really fun. I have not had any 
a full sense of connection from my human awareness with any of the other uh, 11. And um, I have long suspected that a very close friend of mine, Cosmic Brother, is one of these founder beings on Earth, but that has been like the closest I've been able to come. Even when I kind of push and knock at the door insistently, there just has not been information available for me, and I always trust that the information will come when the time is correct. So this awareness of Jupiter as founder being was like, yay, look at this, oh my gosh, that explains so much about so many of my kind of human experiences with Jupiter in various different ways. So that was really fun. So just kind of like parking that over to the side. And then um, it was, I believe, the next day or two that actually Jupiter guided me to connect in with someone that I barely know at all, just like a little tiny bit of awareness of them through Facebook sharings. Um, a woman who does, um, uh, I, I don't remember the language that she used to describe herself, but I would just think of it as kind of, does kind of energy work and sort of retrieval of information um, in various different ways to support people uh, in their journey. So it's all esoteric work and kind of bringing through esoteric intel um, is kind of what she is doing in many different ways in her human form. And so I was sort of guided to her on Facebook um, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen a couple of her posts, and then it was, oh yeah, you should, you should, you need to have a session with her and let her be a translator for information we want to give to your human. And I was like, okay, does she even do that? Right? Like, not everybody does that, but sure enough, she does. And so I was, I sort of went in. My human was being a little cranky about it and was kind of dragging her feet because I really, really, really don't find it useful most of the time for me to receive intel from others, other than a couple of you know, literally like two or three other humans. So I was kind of resistant around this and was like, well, am I really gonna go spend this money, blah, blah, blah. And so then I kind of made a deal, like if there's a session available tomorrow morning because I'm moving really fast through what's going on right now, then I'll do it, but otherwise I won't do it. <laughs> and of course, you know what happened. I went online and sure enough, she had a session at exactly the right time for me the next morning and but um bum So I'm like, okay, uh, game on. And you know, did the, did the payment, did the thing, set it up. And in that session, she uh, was able to share a few kind of little bits and pieces that, be, that, that felt really big at the time, but then as the sort of tapestry of what occurred later unfolds, you'll see they were like just the very early precursors, like these little seeds. They were these little kind of breadcrumbs on the trail that as I, as I followed them uh, on my own later opened up into all of this. But these were, um, let's see if I can remember them correctly. So these were this sensation that she was experiencing, a visual she was experiencing of my hand being in like a mechanical thing and then pulling in that that was sort of me in a kind of like a little personal spaceship. And I could kind of see and feel a bigger sensation of that as she was activating that. And then this uh, concept of me as essentially in my human self holding two timelines and she was using timelines differently than I tend to use timelines when I speak to you. So I tend to use timelines at a fairly kind of granular micro level. And she was using timelines in a much more macro level, right? Like the sort of like, oh, the Atlantis timeline, right? And so, okay, great. So it's a very big level. And so she, and so and I, I had to kind of work with her to make sure I was understanding her language because all of our language, all of our mental models, we just want to be able to kind of talk each other's language, speak each other's language. So she was able to, as we kind of pushed on it a little bit, 
um, surfaced that the two timelines, one was related to Antarctica, which we did not spend much time on, um, and the other was related to um, an Earth Andromeda timeline. And so that was very interesting, and she was wanting me to be really clear that we were differentiating between like Milky Way and Andromeda connection timeline. And those of you who aren't aware, the Milky Way galaxy and the Andromeda galaxy are actually on a very sort of uh, slow and earthen time, uh, like on galactic time, literally, they are merging, they are coming into union. And that process has actually already begun. And this is just human science information that's available. So this, that isn't even esoteric information. But there are many esoteric levels of understanding about kind of quote unquote why that is. Um, so it's very fun. So, but there was, she was like, there's something very specific about kind of like the earth related to Andromeda. Okay, great. And then she was sort of seeing that there was also back in this kind of little spaceship experience, um, uh, a sense of like a fail safe that I was holding on to, that I was like holding the fail safe. Um, which I experienced as also sort of being like a tripwire, right? And the image that I was receiving was like, um, uh, you know, when somebody's like got a bomb and they've got their hand on the thing, they're holding the thing in their, in their, in their, you know, their clenched uh, fist. And if they were to let the fist unclench, then the, you know, the bomb would go off, the tripwire would go off. And so that I had been kind of holding this failsafe in place for an extraordinarily long time. And so there was this incredible following the session, there was this incredible awareness of endurance and patience and also just the exhaustion of endurance and seeing how the culmination of what was to soon be ended in through this human experience this human life um, in its apex role for my cosmic self of we're going to end this experience of endurance that we've had we've taken the experience of endurance to its limits I think it's important to understand that my understanding and experience um, is that we are all essentially kind of fractals uh, of the deep sacred current of life force and that through the unique uh, uh, essence aspect of our beings, our soul beings, our cosmic beings, our original self, um, not just our human, um, the deep sacred current of life force is having a unique through us experience of evolving, of growing, of moving, of changing, of creating, and that some of us in particular as beings from our origin, and I am one like this, and uh, I think most of the founder beings are, and many, 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 many other beings as well, oriented to always go to the edge always go to the limit. How far can I take this? Can I take this farther? Let me see if I can take it any farther. Can it go any farther? Can it go any farther? Okay, we're at the end of that. Okay, now let's do something new, right? What can we do with this thing that we took all the way, all the way out to the edge? What is the new thing? Where's the new, where's the new? Learning, 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 pushing, 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 find the edge, find the edge. And not pushing in a like, 
harsh hustle and grind, like earthly physical way, but in a kind of like, ooh, more of that, more of that. Let's do more, 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 more. And, it's, and it, at the very high energetic levels, it's very playful, which can sound sort of like diminishing of the intensity of the experience or the, the scale of the experience. And I don't mean that. And I hope that you can hold simultaneously the scale of the experience being massive and also playful and light at the same time. And this is one of the reasons that I'm always encouraging you to bring play into your life. Okay, so let's see. Were there other things that came through from that session? Oh, so she was sort of having this awareness that, like, there's something. Uh, she talked about it as a software incompat incompatibility. This was the phrase that kept coming to her that she gave to me, which I found useful later. And this sort of software incompatibility somehow in a way that I don't think was able to surface while we were in our session, um, but it was related somehow to all of the different kind of mechanics going on with this ship. And there were a lot of different like pieces going on with this ship and the fail safe and whatnot, and we really weren't able to do any of the work on that. She felt that she was able to sort of start a process potentially to start to kind of like address the software incompatibility. Um, and I will say that I didn't really actually have a sensation that that was effective. Um, but I didn't feel the need to share that. It wasn't useful. And also I wanted to just wait and see because sometimes it can take time. But also I was sort of seeing forward in time as well as backwards while we were talking. And I was like, that's not quite right. But it didn't matter because I've got what I needed. And this is another little micro lesson for you. It's like you don't necessarily get the perfect everything out of something. It doesn't matter. What's the one or even two or even three little like beautiful activating pieces that you got out of a thing? Take the take those and rejoice right like and and I don't know what her experience of our session was afterwards um and it, and that's hers and you know mine is mine but I would say that the money that I spent on the session was absolutely well spent in the sense that I got these like three little nuggets or whatever they were and I could then keep playing with them and keep poking on them and they bloomed in various different ways for me and led me into lots of different places so again it's that take what's useful and leave the rest without judgment. Bring that into everything and you will find that things open to you much more quickly. Okay, um, let's see. So then I was working on my own with all of this stuff in various different ways. And I had also a few days earlier, and I sh had shared this into the session and that prompted some of these awarenesses that I just shared. I had been aware a few days earlier um, of two particular timelines that my being had had that were important and uh yeah I don't need to talk about those now okay but they somehow they, so as I was doing my own work pushing and focusing and like pinging around on this stuff um and doing different things after the session some of that kind of came in and I don't need to that will be just confusing not helpful okay so the Okay, so this whole sort of like, I want to let go of the fail safe because I want to be complete and done with the endurance. This was where a lot of the awareness was coming in, but I did not feel that it was time yet to let go of the fail safe, that the kind of the mechanics that needed to be fixed had not been fixed. And the sensation of the risk of if I let go of the failsafe prematurely was not about concern for myself, it was concern for others, that there was a large scale problem if I let go early. And I wasn't willing to do that. And so I just kind of kept with it, kept with it. 
And um, there was a lot of other releasings that occurred that I couldn't, I, I don't think I can put into words right now. Um, and I don't even know that it matters because this is all like the prologue. So we haven't even gotten to the story. We're just in the prologue, which is a little bit of a problem. I don't know if I'm going to have to edit some of this stuff out. We'll have to figure it out. So the, then the next morning I wake up and I'm doing a lot of kind of work in bed as I often do. It's early in the morning and I'm doing a lot of like a lot of stuff is coming in and I'm working with it. I'm doing all these different things and like Jupiter and like blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is going on. And I get a little inner ping oh, you have a message to check. And I was like, that's a good message to check now. So I'm like, hmm, okay, I don't usually look at my phone this early in the morning, grab the phone, and I have a message from an incredibly delightful being who listens to the transmissions, has worked with the founder codes, and we exchange messages periodically um, about you know what's going on with her experience with things. And she has reached out with this kind of like, I'm just sort of having this awareness out of the blue that you're maybe working on something and that you're kind of at you're moving through a huge breakthrough is that true and do you need any help which was very interesting and she of course was like spot on a but also this idea this offer to help was interesting I as you may know I very rarely find that I'm able to access help through other humans and so this was so I was like boop is there, there, there has, like, it's not a coincidence, and I mean, it's never a coincidence, but it's not irrelevant to me in my current experience that she would be guided to send this message at this time. So I was like, hmm, I don't know what kind of help I need, but here's what's going on. Like, yeah, I gave her a few little pieces, little snippets, and then she worked with me uh, remotely. We kind of just messaged a little bit back and forth on a couple of different things. And, uh, and apologies as she's probably listening that I'm not going to remember all of the details as I'm, as I'm sharing here. But one important thing that came through was this awareness of a little sort of being that was kind of over my head, kind of, and that she was sensing was sort of both kind of like sort of light and interference at the same time. And one of the things that I was becoming really aware of through this process was this connection into... AI, artificial technology, and this was related to the ship. So I was bringing in this awareness of the ship, this little personal spaceship, and I could feel essentially like my, 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 my hands and feet, such as they were in this other, such as they are and were in this other life, um, were like kind of connected in, like almost like, almost cyborg level, but not exactly, into this very like high-tech machine that was this little tiny ship for going around. And my immediate sensation of aware, when I became aware of this little ship that I was using all these mechanics for was I was like, this is really dumb. Why are we using this mechanical machine-based ship? We don't need this. We just go where we want to go, like boom, boom, boom. And that's always my experience. Even the way people talk about astral travel where they kind of like, and then you like see yourself rising from your body and you look down and then you start traveling and you see, I'm like, what? Like, no, you just boom, go, right? Like, I don't get it. But in this case, it was a really important awareness of like, yeah, no, that's the point is that the whole ship, the whole mechanics this artificial intelligence technology that's like you know not something that we can even hardly bear, barely imagine in kind of earth-based sciences at this time um, is it is the source of the software compatibility incompatibility 
And I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right. So I was like working with that whole thing. And then she, my friend had this awareness of the little being that was kind of like over me somehow, over my head somehow, that had this sort of mixture of kind of like light, but also maybe was like getting in the way somehow, I think might've been how she put it. And I was like, oh. And so then I went in to work with that being. And if for a split second, and this is a lesson that's gonna come throughout this story, that sometimes I, in my human, go, and even a little bit in my kind of soul self, go to move too fast, where I'm like, oh, boom, do it, right? And every now and then it's like, no, actually there are times when slow down and really look at the thing and look for the non-obvious, right? Um, and so in this case, it was just kind of like immediately my, my, my initial instinct, and this was very much coming from my human, not my soul self, was like, oh, go away, you're not helping, right? But it, this being was like, I'm not going away. Yeah, that's not happening. You've tried that a million times and I'm not going anywhere. And I was like, okay, what's going on with this being? What are you? What do you need? Can I be of assistance to you? Why are you here? And just kind of investigating with this. And then I became aware of this being as this actually this incredible sort of rainbow plasma being that actually I had kind of quote unquote created. So it was sort of a daughter being and it was female in nature primarily. And this idea of this kind of rainbow plasma being that I had created, but was partially kind of encased in this very sophisticated kind of rippling, moving AI tech. And that this AI tech was, was related like the same kind of architecture to some degree as the stuff that was going on with this ship and the fail safe. And in part, if I let go of the fail safe too early, then I would kill this rainbow plasma being along with other problems. And so I was like, oh, like, okay, I'm like getting the whole picture here. And of course I wasn't, I was getting one picture, but that's okay. It was a good picture and it felt really good. And so then I was like, all right, let me come in and see, can I remove this tech from her? And I just, before I talk about that, I wanna just share, when I became aware, fully aware of who she was, this rainbow plasma being, I was just like my entire, like, it's just wrong to talk about like, oh yeah, I was crying, I was weeping. Like, no, my, my, my whole being was weeping with the awareness of her kind of steadfast loyalty with me. That she was just like, I'm just sticking with you. I'm staying with you. Even though this was had become an incredibly painful experience with her, this was there was just no, she was just not going anywhere. And this sense of that kind of loyalty was not something that, I just, I don't know, I just, I just had this just incredible honoring and experiencing of it at a level that I have never previously experienced. And it felt similar to the way in which my connection to this awareness of endurance, like it was almost like archetypal, like the kind of like root versions of these ideas I was experiencing energetically. So it's just this total weeping and her beautiful, beautiful being being so sort of like tormented and tortured and like marred by this AI technology. And I want to also say that prior to now, I have never been particularly like paid any attention to kind of the, you know, I'm mean like whatever with AI technology, technology is fine as long as we don't um, let it kind of take over. And I still believe that, but I just haven't fallen down any of these kind of like conspiracy rabbit holes around like, 
you know, there's just a lot. So I, I, I'm not really kind of ascribing to any of that. And I, and I just want to make, I just feel I'm hearing to, to reference that for you. Okay, so then I begin the work of like really removing this technology from her being. And it's incredibly intricate and I just could never even begin to find the words to describe. And I'm just, but I have to kind of go through it. And it's like this whole long process and I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm kind of getting all of it, all the little bits and pieces. And then finally, it's all off and she is free and just this huge sort of expansion of her being where so much of her being had been kind of compressed and trapped down and shrunk down by this technology sort of imprisoning her. And so that was really beautiful and we could have this whole kind of like, oh, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? You don't have to stay here. And she was like, well, like she wanted to stay with me. I'm like, no, go play and you can come back anytime. Like it's totally fine, but like go play. Like you've been holding this for a really long time. Like go play. And so she went to play and she's doing all sorts of fun things. She was like playing with Jupiter she's like going around doing all these things and we're still connected wherever she is and that's fine and um so that was really great but I still felt nope that's not enough I still can't let go of the fail safe like okay so I'm still kind of dealing with this and I started trying to work with some of that tech and then um uh there were a lot of other things that happened too that I can't quite fully remember um at this time and so then I knew that the next was it the next day or that day? Either that day or the next day, my new and my human self friend, uh, Bree, was coming, and I mentioned her by name because we're going to be collaborating on some things, and so you're going to be hearing about her. We had met at that Austin gathering that I referenced in one of my earlier shares with you, um, where the person who brought us together, like incredibly divine magic that she has to know who to bring together and when, even if she doesn't understand why. And so she was like, oh, I don't know. I can't wait to get you two in a room together. And boy, was she right even more than she knows, I think. So we, I mean, we definitely connected at the events and it was really beautiful. And there was a couple of people that I was just like, I, everybody I met was just incredible at this event. Um, and there were a couple of people that I knew there was going to be some like deep work with. And she was definitely one of those, even though we didn't spend an enormous amount of time together at the event, but I just like the connection was made, certain things that we needed to do with each other there were done. And then we were kind of each off doing other experiences with other people that were there that we were, yeah. And so then we were in touch after that, pinging things back and forth, and then I shared my um, cosmogony story with all of you, and she listened to that and got the huge kind of activation awareness of herself as one of the seven founder beings here on Earth, which was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And I will tell you that I have had on occasion, not often, but on occasion I have, have had other humans come to me and say, I think I'm one of these founder beings, do you think I am? And I always, it's always problematic for me when that happens, has been in the past, because always my sense is no, but I can feel within the person this sense of, I'm trying to figure out my specialness and this might make me special and something about it activated me. And we have such sort of so much pain in these human experiences around, am I special? Like, yes, you're so fucking magical and special and, you're, and, and there's no hierarchy of special. <laughs> right like there's no like this being is better or bigger or cooler or whatever than this other being there's none of that none 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 of that but we're in this kind of earth and existence in this human existence where we really feel that and so it's always really challenging for me when somebody's like i think i'm one of those and i'm like Ugh. 
how do I help this person understand that I don't feel that connection without hurting their feelings in some way and without, and more importantly, kind of diminishing their opening into their own path and their own sense of their origin, which is beautiful and a core part of the work that I actually do with people in my, in my business. And that kind of origin connection um, is just beyond, beyond, beyond uh, part of the, the core of the human evolutionary leap into homo lumens that we're going through. That kind of connecting into original self and connecting into, co uh, into the cosmic self and understanding that more and more as it comes more and more into our human and integrates in that trinity of human, cosmic, and original. The trinity, the three, it's so important. Okay, so anyway, so but when Bree told me that, I was like, bah! Like, I just knew it. I felt it in the same way that she did. And she was like, I'm coming to see you. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. So she, like, booked a flight, like, made the things happen and was coming here for a few days. And so we were sort of doing this beautiful kind of private retreat time, the two of us, um, from Wednesday to last night. I'm recording this on Monday morning, uh, early in the morning, Pacific time. And, um, and so, you know, she came in and I knew, and we knew, like, we just knew being together in person, even though that's never been important to me before in this particular case was going to create, like, we just had no idea what, but we were here for it, right? <laughs> here for it. And so she, uh, she gets here and things really start happening. So I'm like kind of catching her up on my awarenesses. And her experience has been much more like she wants, she's like, Oh, all this cosmic stuff you have. Like, I want some of that. Like, that's not, I, that's not been my experience. And she has more like very like embodied, very granular, very like incredibly detailed, like just the coolest on the kind of the, like how the sort of human embodied experience works. And so I was like, and I was like, I want more of that. Like some of the very certain specific ways in which she sort of sees and works with um, energies in the body for lack of a better word, but there's so much more to this than that. And I tend to be very macro and can get micro in certain situations. Um, and she tends to be very micro and can get macro a little bit, but we were sort of matching up, if you will, to expand each other in these ways and very excited about it. So as I'm sharing with her um, all this stuff, oh, I, I forgot to tell you that the, uh, some of the other things that I became aware of are that the, that the ship, the mechanics and the kind of artificial intelligence technology that I was aware of related to this little ship situation that was going on, this was in Andromeda. And like this is, uh, yeah. So this was in like kind of an early Andromeda timeline and that the connection between Earth and Andromeda, why there is a sort of a grouping of Earth to Andromeda in the way that that, that, that other gal had been saying, oh, it's the Earth-Andromeda timeline. It's really, to me, it's the Earth-Andromeda relationship at this time because there's certain um, like kind of dismantling of this AI tech like I did with the little rainbow plasma being um, that ha can only be done from Earth. Right, so like it requires a founder being or two <laughs> on Earth in human form, connecting into that higher dimensional uh, Andromedan perspective to do that work there, in order for it to actually work, and then for the work of that to be then available throughout 
all of the different star systems, known and unknown, discovered and undiscovered by us, in order so that the sort of the, the correct kind of completion of that could occur. And it had to come from here because here is sort of the the lowest dimensional experience so far of that, at like the heaviest density, the lowest dimensional. And so if it was done from like up there in that kind of like 10D Andromeda in space, it wasn't going to then be able to be translated out to some of the other sort of like five, six, seven, eight, nine D. Uh, star systems and I don't usually play a lot in star systems as many of you know like the kind of the star seed gal galactic stuff um, I've always been sort of aware of but I haven't really played with it very much before uh, this experience so this was interesting to come so intensely uh, intimately like viscerally into some of these and it was it was pretty fun um, so blah, blah 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 okay so we have that information so I'm kind of downloading all that with Brie and then in our experience, um, and I, I think some of the timing matters, and so I have to make sure that I'm kind of being correct with some of this. So um, on, I just realized I don't have a calendar up, which is a little bit of a problem. My apologies, I'm gonna be a minute because I don't know what day of the week that was, and I feel a desire to have the day of the week available. Oh gosh, sorry. Speaking of technology, <laughs> classic. Okay, yeah, so that was Thursday. Okay, so the big happenings that I'm gonna be talking to you about were Thursday, Friday, and Saturday mostly, I think in terms of the stuff that I'm gonna be telling you. A lot happened on Sunday too, of course, but I don't know how much that I'll speak to. Okay, so on Thursday, we kind of went into, we went into a bunch of stuff that isn't needed to be shared here. But we really went into this particular tech and, um, and spent more time on this AI tech in the Andromedan timeline. And, um, and this kind of this issue of the incompatible software. And so we worked with this and as we were working with it and kind of dismantling it from like where it was in me and where it was in the ship, Brie was able to be aware, okay, this also relates to like earlier. We have to go way, way back with this when we're done with this. And I was like, yeah, great. And I had also was very aware um, of, so this um, person that I had done the session with also had brought in this, she was like, oh, there's, you know, you're, you have this kind of high commander role. I was like, yeah, I'm aware of those high commander roles in various councils. And she's like, yes, there's this Andromedan council is going to be gathering and you're like bringing information somehow to them. And I'm like, yep, I was aware of that. So as Bree and I are working, we figure out essentially how to um, undo this tech and decouple from this tech. And, and one of the things that I want you to understand about the significance of, in general, this kind of AI tech is that the, the kind of the, the story that's important is if you, in your human life, if you lost a leg in an accident, and you would probably, the normal thing that you would think of would be like, somebody would be like, oh, here's an artificial leg, 
And you know, we have made all these strides in our human science and technology to create better and better and better artificial legs for people. And then you'd be like working on like, how do I get this leg to integrate with the rest of my body? And how do I learn how to walk? And it's kind of like, it's awkward and hard and weird. And it might actually be really painful in different ways to kind of get that connection to happen better and better. When in fact, there's actually a way, and I'm not saying that we know as humans how to do this, but there is actually a way to just grow a new leg. And so if you went with the obvious of just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get this artificial leg, but it's gonna always be a little, it's gonna always hinder me. It's never gonna feel the same, right? As the kind of the natural organic leg, but I could just grow a new leg. So this is, this kind of concept is behind all of this work that we were doing with the tech as we were kind of working with it. So then we figured out how to do it and we, we removed it for me, we removed it for her, we, um, and we kind of gave the, and, and that level of fail-safe, because it was another level of fail-safe that we discovered later, but that level of fail-safe I was able to kind of disentangle from, and I completed and cleared for myself all of my kind of involvement with that Andromedan timeline for now. Um, there are still things that are relevant in the kind of Earth Andromeda connection that will come in the future, which is fine. And we gave, and sort of like, my feeling was like, I was talking to this Andromeda Council and I was like, okay, here's how you do it. And kind of giving them the instructions and like, now you take care of it, right? Like you've got it. Like my role is done and our job is not to like be leaders on the council or any of that. Like we got bigger fish to fry over here. You take care of it. And it felt very much like, um, in Star Wars and it was like okay we've given you the plans to the Death Star we don't need to know anything you don't need to know anything else about us right like it's not doesn't matter take the plans and handle the Death Star we're out we got other things to do right so we kind of handled that and then um, we had this it was a lot of this work around the kind of the incompatible software that we, was coming up was this AI tech that had been kind of like embedded in across many different star systems and like in the human as well. And it creates this incompatibility with life force, with the natural, with the organic, with what is originally you, me, us. And um, we have a lot of mythologies in human mythologies about things like the fall right? Like the fall of civilization in various different ways, the fall of being fallen from the garden of Eden, you know, falling from heaven, like blah, blah, blah. And the nature of the fall is at all these different star systems and all these different levels is essentially when the choice is made to say, oh, and essentially it's a trick, but to kind of be sort of tricked into accepting the AI technology because there's a sensation or a belief that there isn't any better option, and so we'll take the next best thing. That is the mistake, and that is the fall. And then we get embedded deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this technology, into this AI tech that is artificial and not organic and not natural, and then the software compatibility like exponentially creates problems over time and across dimension, dimensional experiences and star systems. Okay, so then the next day, um, 
on Friday, and this is why the timing matters, because many of you, since I shared my little post about the architecture of fear being dismantled, um, have been sending me messages as well as sharing on the post, but about like, oh my God, and I was having this blah, blah, blah experience, right? So it's our nervous systems in our human, and this is true as, just as much for me as it is for anyone else, are really, really, really supported when we can have these kind of validating experience of like, oh, you too? Oh, like, oh, I'm not crazy. Or, oh, that really happened. Or like, or, oh, I can actually use that story instead of this other story, right? Like there's so many sto stories are always available to you. So you might have this incredible experience on Friday of like, wow, everything feels like open and free and amazing and completely different. And you might tell yourself a story, that's just because I got a good night's sleep. Well, I'm glad you got a good night's sleep, but that wasn't the whole story, friends, <laughs> right? And when you can have the whole story, um, or at least the most expansive version of the story that's available, might be a better way to say that, then you can really, if you will, leverage the opportunity for more expansion. And like this is what creation is. Creation is expansion, and then in the correct timing, contraction. And this is where I have new information to me. So I have shared with you in the past this idea of kind of expansion and contraction and sort of like watch out for contraction and also that fear was natural creation. So fear was not a natural organic creation. Fear was created. It was the original AI technology. And it kind of came in alongside in relationship to contraction and kind of replaced it in the same way that like the artificial leg in my story replaced the organic leg. And it did that in order to kind of like from its own, like the creation of it was like, oh, could we do that? Could we create like an artificial version of the contraction and like the desire of that founder being who's not in human form um, and it was a founder being who did this. So one of the five non-human currently founder beings created this fear architecture, this fear kind of AI technology, simply to see if he could. And he wanted to be different and different than the other founder beings and special. And, uh, and so as we all do in different ways. And so he kind of went off and kind of created this cool stuff from, and from his perspective, it was cool. And it, like initially it was cool, like, oh, that's really cool. Like you, you really kind of mimicked contraction, not exactly, but like it's close and it does some interesting other things like, huh, like that's kind of interesting. What's that about? But unfortunately over time, as people, as beings kind of agreed to play with the fear technology, it started to replace the contraction the natural organic contraction. And so then it started to pull people out of like kind of their full self, if, if you will. I don't know if I'm being very articulate about this. Um, and there's just, there's a lot that wants to like come through. I'm having one of those like five way stop moments, you know, where it's like, what comes through next? There's so many things. So I might not worry so much about linear at this point. I might just be kind of dancing around. Um, uh, I think I already have been dancing around a little bit. So. Hmm. Okay. So the 
when Bree and I were working with this, we found the kind of original fear architecture, the original AI tech of fear in our own beings. And we started working with it to kind of understand it, see it, perceive it, and then remove it. And I think that it was as we were working with it that I became aware of that, oh, this is who made this, this is how this happened. I'm not 100% sure if I'm getting that correct in terms of timing, and I don't think that it 100% matters. But um, for the sake of, of kind of names, as I came into contact with this other founder being and fully just can sort of immediately the rippling through me of the understanding of what he had done and who he was and all the things that had happened since and our very close connection like he and I particularly had had developed this very close connection and we were both sort of like interested in this kind of I want to be special I want to be different kind of experience and he chose to do it through this pathway and like it was sort of like he was going to be special and different by being bad and I was going to be special and different by being good. These are very reductive, right? Very reductive. And there wasn't like a bad and a good when it began. It just kind of occurred over time. There's an accumulation, like the barnacle buildup on the bottom of a ship over time, right? And as more and more beings are in creation and they're kind of getting involved in this fear technology, right? just more and more things are, 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 are kind of building up and it sort of takes on a life of its own. And the first, in, in, in this universe, and there are many universes within this cosmos, so there's this cosmos, which I had previously been thinking about and experiencing as like the only cosmos, the cosmos was all the things, and then there are these many universes within this cosmos, and then there's this particular universe that our humans are currently occupying, and that all these different galactic star systems that we tend to connect with and talk about um, are related. So the sort of initial quote-unquote fall, if you will, within the galactic star systems occurred in kind of the Lyran, uh, earliest Lyran um, star system civilization deciding to accept the technology under the belief the technology is offered, the AI tech is offered with the story that it will improve, it'll make something bigger, better, cooler. And instead of accessing the bigger, better, cooler through the organic natural pathways, those beings were like, oh, okay, we'll try that. And then sort of things began from there. And that's kind of the original sort of quote unquote fall um, throughout the different galactic systems. And it kind of, you know, perpetuates out from there as sort of newer and newer galactic systems and civilizations come into being and experience things in different ways. And so we're kind of back up in this very original technology within our kind of original cosmic selves. And... Um, hmm. I'm just having, I'm sorry, I'm having too many communications at once. So I do the thing that I tend to do as I'm observing this within me 
this original technology, this original fear architecture, which is to just be like, okay, let's get it out, right? And like, I can see the whole thing. I understand how it works. I'm going to just take my kind of so-called etheric scissors and I'm going to kind of cut through this section and then the whole thing is going to be freed is what I wanted to do. And I was like trying to wait and Brie was like, wait, wait, slow down, slow down. And I was like, no, no, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to get it out. And the experience was like, so what I was visualizing, and I feel like it's important to share this with you and I don't know if it'll make sense, but so think about for the visual for a moment, um, like hook and eye closures that are like on bras or on corsets, right? Where you might have like a line of the little, the little, little eyes, the little U loopy things that are like little metal things that then the hook kind of connects into. So now imagine that there's two parallel um, rows of those little eyes, those little U-shaped uh, kind of me metal things that, uh, and then there's a third uh, kind of made of the same sort of like flexible, sort of almost metallic feeling, almost silvery feeling, but dark um, uh, material, a third kind of almost quote unquote thread that is moving, that is wrapped between connecting, lacing them up like a corset, right? So lacing them up like a corset. And uh, and that third, that thread that has them pulled really tight together, and so this experience of like my own being, I become aware of kind of as if it's like you know like a big giant um, like ball of memory foam, right? And you know if you ever get like a memory foam or like you know uh, like a mattress or a pillow or something mailed to you, and it's in these compression vacuum-packed bags, and it's kind of squished way down, right? So kind of imagine that for a moment. So I'm seeing on my side, I have a sense of it being kind of like lower right side, but I'm a big giant amorphous ball, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, this corset tightening uh, uh, function between these two rows of the little, the little hook connections, and I'm just basically grabbing the you know, metaphorical scissors and I'm going to cut straight down the middle of it, right? And I do that. I'm like, I can't wait anymore. I got to do it. And I cut straight down the middle of it and it pops open, right? Like when you open the pillow from the compressed bag and it just pops way open, right? And then like all of my being is like opened up and free. And I'm like, whoa, that feels really good. Like, wow, yay, you know, and I'm really happy, right? And then I become aware that there's like all these little pieces that I have to remove because I just did the crude, fast version of just like cut through the whole damn thing, right? Brie, on the other hand, is like, you know, she's taking her time. She's like, I'm going to do it the slow way. And so she starts like, because it's all actually one piece, right? So she starts slowly pulling out the whole thing. And while she's doing that, I'm also now picking out all these little pieces. And so I'm like, get this little piece, get that little piece. And I'm like finding all the little pieces, right? Like if you, you know, split a seam uh, on purpose between, you know, in some, like a clothing item that you were pulling apart. And then there'd be all these little tiny pieces of, of thread all over the place. It was like that. And so I'm like finding all the little pieces of the little, you know, I'm pulling them out, pulling them out, pulling them out, get that one, get that one, get that one, get, I'm going around doing that. She's pulling it out for herself. And when she gets it all the way out, she also has that like, wow, right. But then she's also able to see that inside where this was covering, there was a little seed. And, and so she was like, oh, there's this little seed. 
And then I realized, oh, it's like a little diamond seed that is like, it's like the same. So the, the material, I already understood this, but the material that I've been describing, kind of creating this bind, right? This kind of tightening, restricting bind is the same material as the material that I saw in the splinter um, that was the, the interference trap energy preventing humanity's evolution that I've described in earlier sessions. Um, it was the same material. And so then when she saw the little seed, I was like, oh, we turn it into diamond is what we do. So we change the material again, do the transmutation again um, into diamond, and then it can go into, it can just go into dust. It can just dissolve into nothing. And, um, and so if we hadn't gotten the seed, it could have regrown itself, right? So the seed in its original form was not a natural seed. It was, a, it was you know, AI tech seed. And so then I found it in me, et cetera. And so then as that was occurring, then somewhere around the same time, coming into connection with the being who put it in there and coming, becoming aware of how closely connected to him I was and that he did feel like a he and that he was not in human form and uh, understanding kind of all at once the whole story of how this had all happened and then how he had then kind of gotten pulled into his own bind and his own trap and his own like AI tech in a lot of different ways and had kind of been the architect from the beginning of all of these different, or at least the early versions of all of these different kind of AI technologies of fear and then later, you know, just in these different ways in, this, in the systems and understanding how the, the AI tech in the Andromedan spaceship experience that I was working with and that I was freeing the rainbow plasma being from, um, these were all kind of like later iterations um, based on whatever was going on in that system. And many, 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 many beings, like he had sort of like unbeknownst to himself, like had really, I, I wouldn't say unbeknownst because he knew what he was doing, but he hadn't sort of set out to create like the evil empire, but it had occurred that over time he had gathered all these beings who were interested in, hey, did you know what we can do with this? We can actually put this tech in place and we can then essentially manipulate the natural organic creational process of expansion and contraction and we can pull out and extract some of that expansion power and then have it for ourselves. What? Right? Like, that's not cool. And part of what they did with this is that they... Um, then they were sort of distorting, they were kind of laying in this sort of little filter of distortion around how creation works and how creation is working like within you, within me, within all of us. And so all of this cosmos, back to that word, was created through the kind of the coming together of infinity and cosmic primordial magnetism. I've spoken about cosmic primordial magnetism before um, a long time ago, but an infinity essentially holds two kinds of energies, and then cosmic primordial magnetism brings that third. And so it's a trinity that comes together. And the distortion that they put into place to kind of weaken the access to the full organic creational process and power made us 
twist infinity and separate the quote-unquote two. And so you see the infinity sign now, right? And it looks like that sideways eight, right? And it's got the sort of the two different sides. And then in the middle, there's that little like, you know, untwist that twist and open it up and see like the two circles nest in each other infinitely. And when we bring the third in, then we have the looping, the, the kind of creational loop opens. And with the two infinity and the like, it's like the two yin yang also, it's a closed loop system which doesn't allow the correct flow through of the deep sacred current of life force and the understanding of that trinity union coming into place. Days before, uh, quite some time before, I had started becoming sort of a little bit obsessive with the triskelium uh, triple spiral that's often, I think, called the Celtic spiral. Is that what it's called? But it's, it's three. I'll put a picture of it in here. It's basically kind of these three spirals that are all connected. And if you trace the lines of it in certain versions of it, you essentially can go from the middle of one spiral and it'll go all the way out. And then the line falls into the next spiral and then you can go all the way into the center of that. And then you come back out like on another line. It's all different lines and you can kind of just endlessly be kind of going in and around these. And we see this image as a flat, you know, two day image because that's how it's drawn. But if you can start to play with this imagery and move it first into kind of a sphere, where maybe you're seeing those sort of wrapped around the, the surface of the sphere, but then actually kind of bring all three of them like into the middle of the sphere in different ways and how do they move with each other. And you can start to then have a multi-dimensional or higher dimensional access beyond the 3D into that and see the movements of these three, right? And so, um, the, the, the being, the founder being who created the original fear, um, architecture, we decided, um, I, I, we decided, I, I called him Melkor, which comes from Tolkien lore. And he thought that was funny. And we both agreed that would be a good name for him to use for now. Like it was like, yeah, totally right. Because in the, in the very, for those of you who aren't Tolkien nerds in kind of the Tolkien lore of, uh, his world, um, in the Silmarillion, he talks about essentially this first beings being created and that one of them, Melkor, wanted very much to be special and different. And so they were, as the first beings were created, they were using song to create things, right? And we know that sound was the, came first before light. And, and he wanted to have his own notes and his own song, right? He wanted to, which is, by the way, there's nothing wrong with this. This is the deep sacred current of life force at work. All the founder beings were created to be unique, differentiated expressions of the deep sacred current of life force. So he was just the first to be like, okay, let me uniquely differentiate myself by having my own song, right? So like, that's all that was. We ascribe all this darkness and evil and like power grabbing to it, but that's not how these things begin, right? It's like, no, just like, that's all it was. And so he started singing his own song, and that's also what how, how, how Tolkien talks about in the Silmarillion. So anyway, so then Melkor comes in, and we're having this like connection and just this big kind of reunion. And I say to him like, "You don't have to do this anymore. 
Like you don't have to kind of basically be going through all of eternity as this kind of the father of the architecture of fear. Like you can undo this now. Have you played this out all the way to the end? Is it done? Have you followed the spiral loop all the way to the central point and you're ready to kind of come back out? And he was like, yeah. And there was a huge relief in that for him as well to be able to move on into a different experience. So then he decided to take on, that he would take on the job of doing the dismantling um, of the architecture of fear throughout the rest of creation. And he would start working on that. And also he uh, went to hang out with Jupiter. So he and the Jupiter being, Jupiter being was like really helping him like kind of essentially transition into this new way of expressing himself and like being just a super nourishment space for him. So they are off like doing their thing and I just, they're with me all the time, but also like they're together doing their thing and he's doing that. Now there isn't a to do for you. I can hear you like, now wait, how do I do this for myself? Don't worry about it at this stage, okay? Um, he's taking care of kind of the larger structural pieces and the primary human piece for us actually is to focus on that the neurobiology side of how are we supporting in the neurobiology um, and the nervous system in the brain that we're doing the neural rewiring and the somatic body releasing of, of the fear technology and the habits of fear-based thinking in the brain, so the neural pathways. And there's so many different ways that you can be doing that work, right? So there's no one right path. Just go where it feels correct. Um, and, you know, just for now, just start with, oh, I have a habit of thought of falling into fear in some way, shape, or form. And um, maybe it's even, if you've done a lot of work on that already, maybe it's as simple as being afraid, so to speak, or resistant to natural contraction phases. So back to expansion and contraction work together, not in symmetry. It doesn't have to be about symmetry. It's not like, oh, contraction, this is the equal amount of contractions I had expansion, not at all. It's more like the flower wants to create itself, so it does all of its things, and it's a bud, and then it blooms and it expands out. And then when the sun goes down for the night, many flowers will then close up again for the night, right? That's just a natural process. So within yourself, where you experience contraction, what's your story around that? Is your story, oh no, I'm afraid, ah, right? And you're like falling for the fear story. Or is it just, no, that's just a natural contraction. Um, and as I, you know, for those who have worked more deeply with, within my body of work, you'll know that one of the things that can be going on when you feel like you're contracting may simply be that you're integrating. And so, so you can sort of start to feel into where and in, where do integration and contraction actually are the same thing. And what we had previously thought of as contraction versus integration was actually the, the AI tech of fear at work. Um, so I also want to say, um, yeah, and I don't, when did this happen? Okay. So related to the Andromedan timeline experience, um, on the prior day, we also found, um, within ourselves little like technology bugs kind of thing. And they were like in us 
and we had to remove them. And, uh, and, and honestly, it was like, there was like a lot of visuals that were a little bit similar to from the matrix. And I know a lot of people didn't like the, the new matrix resurrections movie, but I just feel like half of it is just like a complete playbook. And just, you know, if you can kind of, you know, go with that, then, uh, the, <laughs> instead of being, you know, the film critic or whatever that you are, I personally thought it was like masterful, masterful filmmaking. Um, and, the concept at the end that it was really the power of love that allowed everything to exist. Like that's correct. Like, so the AI tech and the matrix, at the end that we understand through resurrections was leveraging the love of Trinity and Neo in order to, which is, which is, you know, that love is that infinity and that, you know, um, deep sacred current of life force, but distorting it, breaking it apart putting them into the separate pods, keeping them near each other, but not allowing them to touch. That's the distortion, right? And then when the love can come together and they can break out of that distortion, then they can come into the quote unquote matrix, which is sort of basically just the physical world, the 3D world in terms of the analogies, is if you look at the analogies and play the game and design the game of this physical experience on earth the way they want. Like, oh yeah, let's put some rainbows in the sky. That sounds like a good idea. And you know, you're not gonna be able to do your dumb shit anymore, little architect, analyst, whatever your name is. That's not gonna happen. Um, so all of that, all of that, all of that. Um, so then also as we were doing the 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 kind of higher level founder, founder being level work, we were able to come into contact with um, Sort of the so Brie was sort of pushing was really feeling this sensation of like there's something beyond infinity that you know wants us to connect with, and I had this initial resistance because I was like, but if there's anything beyond infinity, like like I had my own little thing I had to work through around that, and um, and this is you know one of the reasons why collaboration is so important in various different ways is that you can have that like place to be and push off of each other. Um, once I kind of could put that down, I could also come into contact with that idea of beyond infinity. And then we came into contact with these beings that we're just calling the beyond beings because we don't have any language for them and they didn't give us language for themselves. And as soon as we came into contact with them and understood them to be the beyond beings, I was like, oh, I've had connections with these beings before in my, that are my human awake awareness is aware of but I didn't know what to call them. And so like these different little names got applied to them that never really felt right. Um, uh, like there was one experience that I had where they came in before an event and they were like, we're gonna protect you in this event and we want you to know that we're here. And I was like, from you know, kind of essentially energy harvesting that's going on. And I was like, okay. And I was like, but who are you? And they didn't really tell me. And then my mind put the story on them that they were the Hathors um, based on some of the communications that I'd had with certain beings as a function of some of the work of Tom Kenyon um, and from many, many years ago. And, um, and they, they were like, sure, whatever, you know, but they weren't the Hathors. That's a whole other thing. Like I don't even play with the Hathors. That's a whole different thing. So that was very interesting, very fun. Um, so these beings then worked with us in a lot of different ways around our own kind of inner uh, kind of integration and next steps. And we had a lot of fun with them also on, on Sunday as well, on Saturday and Sunday as well. And, um, 
and also those, of course, as you can imagine, an enormous amount of lake magic was going on throughout all of this as well. Um, but one of the, th it's kind of the last piece that I want to bring in that came through on this was this idea of like the 12 becomes four, becomes three, becomes one. And I want you to kind of be able to try to feel into the energetics of this, even if I butcher the words. So the 12, yeah, the 12 founder beings, but I also feel that the beyond beings organize themselves often as a group of 12. And every time I could visualize them, they were these incredibly tall, long, kind of oblong, just like, white light, no humanoid, nothing. And no like arms, legs, none of that. Just like these giant, tall, oblong things of white light. And I would see the 12 of them all kind of connected in a sort of circle, but like a semicircle because it was open for me to kind of come in and connect. And the circle would sort of, the semicircle would kind of ripple and move. And then sometimes they would come around me and I would be in the middle of the circle and they would close the circle. But sometimes they would all just sort of flicker into like one being that would then kind of like merge into me. And then sometimes they would, and then Brie was sort of really uh, having the kind of like, oh, the 12 become four, become three, become one. I don't know what that means. And I was like, oh, it's them. Like they're, you know, they can split into essentially groups of three because the trinity three is so it's like that is creation that tr trinity three is the correct natural organic creational numbers i don't know what else to say there and but so the the, the 12 become four meaning essentially sort of four groups of three and then if you see those sort of in a in a in a almost like in a square then they they become three, they are sort of like four sides that come together in kind of a tetrahedron shape, which is essentially like a 3D triangle, right? And then that becomes three, the three of the triangle at the base of the tetrahedron, united by the one at the top of the tetrahedron. I don't have more, more kind of intel for you on that, but I just, I really just, if you can just even just spend time just feeling into, maybe even try saying out loud to yourself, right? The 12 become four, become three, become one. And feel that activating within your own energy field. I think that would be very powerful for you. It's still very powerful for me. <laughs> I'm still loving it, you know? So I think that this is the the bulk of, oh no, the, I'm totally wrong. There's one more, there's a couple more really big things that are really important. Okay, for in terms of like, where do we go with this now is actually the kind of the next theme of this. And I recognize that I've been talking now for an hour and 10 minutes, but I'm gonna finish it and it's just gonna be long. And for those of you who don't like long, sorry, that's what's happening. Okay, so after this, we kind of became aware of this idea of like, oh, okay, we're like, we kind of, with the, with, the, with the completion, if you will, of the removal of the fear architecture, there was this feeling of like, okay, we finished the game. Like the whole game of this experience that's been going on forever. Like the game is over. Now we have a new game 
or we have a bonus round, right? Like, what is the new game? What is the bonus round? And the bonus round is essentially, for me at least, and for Bree, like the rest of our human lives. And I actually was given this information, and I even shared it with you in January when Earth closed all of her lower timelines. It was this kind of, I didn't use the word bonus round, um, but it was this idea of like, okay, the rest of your time here is now just like for pure play and delight. And so that's what this, this experience is now of this kind of like bonus round. But I've been having trouble since January fully really like 100% being in that. And what I now understand is the reason is because I still had to do some of the, I actually wasn't complete within my own self of the game, right? Like Earth was done, my human could do, but not quite. Like I still had to do this work that, um, that we completed over the weekend. So we're kind of in this new game and we're in this bonus round. And for some of you, some of you have a connection with or an interest in the beings that, um, that I call the she, S-I-D-H-E. And, um, and I use that language because it's what, it's just what was given to me when I first when I when I first put a name on them. They've always been with me and my human, um, and it's a name that comes out of kind of Celtic traditions. Um, although virtually everything I've ever read about the she ever um, is completely wrong. Um, so don't go like reading a bunch of stuff. With the one exception in my own ex my own experience, the only exception I've ever found is the writings uh, by Emily Carding in a little tarot deck that she made with her own art and her own words called the Tarot of the She, which I highly recommend if you like to play with things like that. Um, and I don't play with any other tarot decks, just to be clear. I've never been really interested in tarot at all, but this particular deck is like, a, it's like an oracle deck for me more. Um, and her writing about it is very powerfully like on point. Like she's clearly connected with them and they helped her create that deck. Um, so, but it's always been sort of like, but where did they come from? And they don't nest into or fit into any of these other things and became, we became aware of, oh, the she are like they are directly from the beyond beings. And that was really fun to like have that awareness. Um, and I wanted to share that for some of you, that's gonna be really interesting and fun. And, um, and there are other beings here in human who are from the beyond beings, not a lot of you, but there are some of you, and you have been struggling to figure out what the hell, because you don't fit into any of the, like it doesn't work, you know? Um, now, this is a very small fraction um, but there are like, you know, a handful of you and it's really those of you who have sought out for many, 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 many years an understanding of, if you will, your cosmic self or your spiritual or your soul origins and even those who others find to be incredibly skilled at seeing this about others say to you, I don't know where you're from. Like you're just, I can't get a read on you, right? This may be why. I'm thinking of one person in particular, but um, yeah, we, won't, we don't need to do any 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 labels on that okay dun, 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 dun. all right I think that's everything now so going forward in time let's come back into the human experience and end there for you so we are in um, Monday December 5th and we have we are kind of hurtling at ever faster speeds towards sort of the birthing through into this new, entirely new phase for everything that's happening, uh, really in, in, in all of the cosmos, but in particular here on Earth. And um, the solstice 
is the sort of portal time where we kind of pop through into that. Uh, and it's going to be just an incredibly beautiful, glorious experience. And I'm super, super excited about it. Actually, kind of the solstice energies and like that particular time has been pulling me like out of time for quite some time <laughs> where I've been like going along for days and suddenly I'm like, bloop, you're over here now. And I'm like, okay, okay. But my physical body is still over here doing the things for the people. So like, come on, let's, you know, so it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And I hope that you're able to set up time to really enjoy it and to really have fun. And, um, I am going to do more on the planetary energy theme for the year, um, soon, but I am very, very clear that it is about the, essentially the integration into the biology of all of the things that I have been describing on top of all of the things I've been describing for, for ages around the integration of cosmic and original self into the human, um, uh, you know, the human evil leap in general. So that's going to be really fun and it's going to be really exciting. And I keep hearing this as homecoming. And also like the wonder of homecoming. So it's like homecoming and wonder, the wonder of homecoming, you know, kind of that's really the theme that we're going to be working with, I feel very strongly. And I'm very excited about it. And, uh, and there's a bunch of kind of new things coming together to share with you all um, uh, and to kind of share more broadly. And Bree and I are going to be doing some really fun collaborations that we're cooking up that we're like, oh, let's do that. Oh, let's do that. That'll be really fun. So look for uh, lots more fun stuff and have a good time and let's see don't overlook the body don't overlook the biology like most of like a, a significant chunk of of our sunday together brie and i was really working on the biological side of this um and it was really important and really beautiful and powerful um so don't overlook it Okay, when I talk about neurobiology, uh, yeah, I'm talking about nervous system and brain, and there's a big somatic piece to that, by which I mean like the body. So finding ways to, to kind of tend to and nourish your neurobiology, as well as coming into focused uh, devotion to neural rewiring, um, these are really important, really important. And I don't know if they can be effective for anyone without also doing the esoteric work that I've been describing over some time, not just today. Um, I think that for some people, if they are able to simply just reorganize around, if you will, the heart as they're doing that neural rewiring and somatic work, that could be enough. And every, because every being is different. And so what's the design, the natural organic design of your beingness, which, you know, transcends any one particular kind of life or life form that you're having, right? And so for many of us, if you're listening to this, particularly if you're still listening to me, <laughs> however long it's been, um, you probably also require 
your being requires the esoteric work, the connection into the cosmic self, the connection into the original self, the connection bringing into the awake awareness more and more of that understanding and developing those multi-dimensional capacities as we move closer and closer towards being the embodied expression of our true pan-dimensional nature and having access to the experience of all the dimensions simultaneously while here in our physical form, which is the, the, the evolutionary leap into homo lumens. So, but I do think it's important for people to understand that you can have a loose, open sense of where, you know, for people in your life in particular, where you're like, oh, that person's never going to, you know, buy into any of this. That's okay. They're not screwed, right? Like, because we can get into that model of like, oh, people are screwed if they're not blah, blah, blah. That's not necessary. Just really, how do we kind of open the heart and then tend to the body, tend to the biology, the somatic side, the nervous system side, the, the, the brain, any other aspects that are unique to one's own individual body experience, right? Um, but yeah, that's, it's just really important. It's really important. So I hope that you um, have found this to be uh, certainly at minimum entertaining, but I really hope that you found it to be helpful and to be activating um, in some way and hopefully possibly as well validating uh, for your nervous system around certain experiences that you've been having recently or images that you've been having recently and that you're able to use this to really just like, boom, you know, like little trampoline jump up into the next level of your experience. That is my intent in sharing it. I also, my... My, my requirement of my own, kind of how I'm organized to create and transmit, create, transmit, create, transmit. This, there was like a, a, a incredible pressure building within me around like, I need to transmit this. And so I'm transmitting it. Yes, I hope it has effect on you, but I'm transmitting it because I'm like, I have to, for me. It's like the, the tea kettle, right? That suddenly is like, beep, right? Letting off the steam because otherwise it's gonna blow up, right? That's, that's me. And there are many different ways in which I, I need to create and transmit. But always we need, if we're organized that way with create, transmit, create, transmit, we need those pressure valves. Um, we need those opportunities to just be transmitting. And when we're in the pure transmitting place for its own sake, then hopefully the power and the efficacy of the kind of the gift uh, is, as a byproduct of that is uh, exponentially more effective, more powerful, uh, more wonderful. So, okay. All right. I'm going to go tend to my throat. I'm like, get my, my voice is already sore and it's like early in the morning. <laughs> it's going to be a day. I love you so much. Thank you for your light in the world. And you may find that you want to go back and like work with a bunch of the materials that I've shared in the transmissions before. If you haven't accessed the founder codes, please, please, please do that. If you're looking for ways to kind of pop open into some of these um, you know, sort of childhood distortions and things like that, let us know. There's, you know, we have ways of supporting that. If you want to really go deep in a personal private container around working with this stuff, um, you know, I do have, I think kind of two spots coming open in January, um, where I can do this work with you one-on-one -on -one and create a, create a container, create a space for that. Um, uh, but I'm pretty limited in my availability to kind of get on the phone to do 
the assessments around that, that's been a challenge. We kind of have a big waiting list around that. So if you know that you're like, no, no, bump me to the head of the line because I'm ready to really go deep with this and I have the resources to support myself to do that, then you know, send me a message or, or send me a note or something and we'll make it work um, uh, to explore. <laughs> also, all of these things, for those of you who've been following me talking about my stories that I've been writing to get ready to publish, um, this is, is going to have a big ripple effect in those stories. And I don't know what that means, but I, I've been feeling the rippling of this through the stories all weekend. And um, so stay tuned. More later. <laughs> all right. Love you. Mwah.